The Bridgewater Triangle is an area of about 200 square miles within southeastern Massachusetts. It is claimed to be a site of alleged paranormal phenomena, ranging from UFOs to poltergeists, orbs, balls of fire, and other spectral phenomena. Various Bigfoot-like sightings, giant stinks, and thunderbirds. Some historic places and landmarks in the Bridgewater Triangle are Dighton Rock, Profile Rock, Solitude Stone, and The Ledge. Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey Katie! Hello! How's it going? Oh, it's going. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get ready to uh, go camping, and I'll be honest, I have obviously had the luxury of having kids at home all these years that uh, did a lot of that work, and so, yeah. (laughs) I just uh, have the rodeo of making my camper bed, and good Lord, I feel like I need to send all of my kids a gift basket or something. (laughs) That's That's awful. No. Uh, yeah, it is. Ours in our van is also as well. It's kind of like the worst part. We avoid it to the last possible minute because it's a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Well, I've learned the hard way with this camper more than once. Not to wait until you're tired and ready for bed to do something like that, or you will really be sorry. That is so true. <laughs> so that I is very, very true. Yes. Make it and have it all done before I even pull it out of my yard so that it's all done. I felt like I needed to go to bed. My God. Well, but now it's done. But now it's done. Yeah. We're hardcore campers, you guys. We're going two weekends in a row. Well, at least I am. You didn't really camp last weekend, mm-hmm. but I did, and we're doing mm-hmm. it again. Those hardcores you can get when you're camping in self-contained units. We're definitely glamping, um, <laughs> but we don't have much time left before camping will be a thing of the past until mm-hmm. next spring. So, yeah. Looking forward to spending the time outside. And I, I would be amiss if I didn't mention my hair <laughs> because yes, I'm sure beautiful. other people notice. It looks really red on camera, but it's actually hot pink. It's magenta. And I just got it done today. So it's super fresh, but I'm really happy with Very it. Very cute. Yeah, I used to have pink hair all the time. That was the thing I did for a long time. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, I'm like, yeah, I'm in my mid 40s. I mean, people don't take me seriously when I have pink hair. And then, you know what I did now? I said, fuck them, and did it anyway. (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go. So my pink hair is back. I love it. Well, okay. Who says you have to adult when you're in your mid-40s? I don't know. I don't know. I think I was doing it to myself. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Well, today's show is a combination of paranormal and true crime. We like it when those two things cross over, don't we? Yes. The intersection is kind of our sweetest spot. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) So we're going to talk about the Bridgewater Triangle today. And as we talk about it, well, at the end, I'm going to talk to you actually about a really significant true crime case that is a part of the Bridgewater Triangle that there are a lot of questions about. So the Bridgewater Triangle, I'm going to post... That's weird. 
Oh, there it is. This is, so it's in southeastern Massachusetts. It's a, it's about a 200 square mile area. Okay. Um, and it has been well known for a long, long time to be a hotbed of paranormal activity. Lots of UFO sightings and ghosts and Bigfoot and Thunderbirds and Pugwudgies, 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 yeah, Pugwudgies, um, all kinds of stuff that is pretty unexplainable. Oh, balls of fire. One of the big things I think is really interesting through here is that there's like disembodied fire that has no heat, but oh. people see flames. Um, in various sites. And now lots of orbs. Um, oh, it's, it's been known in some of the um, woods in the Bridgewater Triangle that people have seen snakes as wide as stovepipes. Wow. Yeah, I know. Yikes. So there's a lot of um, history in the Bridgewater Triangle between... Uh, the colonists and the natives. And as you can imagine, that involved a lot of colonists murdering natives and enslaving natives. And so some people think that the the land through there is cursed. Okay. You know, I got to say that always pisses me off because even in the being murdered and enslaved, it's still the natives' faults. I don't like that whole the natives cursed the land thing. I always think that's bullshit. But anyway, that's well, one of the things. how many times have you heard, this must be buried. We must be on an ancient Indian burial ground if these things are happening. People say things like that as, yeah. in a very blasé way as if it's just, uh, you know, that's a normal thought. Or that right. because you're on an ancient native burial ground, even if you were, that for some reason that means that all these terrible things would be happening. Yeah. Right. It's, it's I don't like racist. it. It, yeah. I think it's really racist. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, this place has been known in in general as a sacred place for the Wapanoag um, native peoples. And Wapanoag is, I think, a white person's term for a bunch of tribes that have kind of combined. Okay. Um, but there, there definitely are some sacred sites here. But... There's also just a lot of other stuff. The first uh, UFO sighting in this area was in 1607. Wow. I mean, stuff has been going down out here. So I'm going to tell you about some of the famous sites. And maybe you can give us some insight on what you think is going on out here. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk about some satanic murders that happened. Okay. So uh, nearby. Before you do that, just let mm -hmm. me say, I mean, I'll just give you my initial Gut feeling on it, and that's Please that do. this is an area where different dimensions are intersecting. Okay. It seems to me like, and there's places like that, other places like that on Earth, too, where mm -hmm. multiple uh, dimensions or layers or, you know, how whatever you, however you classify that, if you classify that, mm -hmm. uh, are coming together and perhaps uh, a little more open and you know, intersecting more than in other places. That's all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that I, I really strongly resonate with that. So let's talk first about Dighton Rock. This is Dighton Rock. So Dighton Rock is this huge rock 
It was out um, in a riverbed. It's now been moved because it was eroding. But it's covered in petroglyphs, as you could see. And the thing that's really weird about the petroglyphs is that no one has ever been able to figure out what language they are. Uh, or what, you know, where they have come from. So there are a few thoughts on it that, that it may be um, an indigenous language, although that has never been actually um, identified or translated. Uh, there was some thoughts that it might be um, an ancient Phoenician language. But again, no translation. Mm -hmm. uh, some people thought maybe it was Norse. And then other people thought maybe it was Portuguese. Hmm. Because there are other rocks in the area that are that do have Portuguese on them. But this rock is pretty, um, it's just very mysterious because it clearly indicates the presence of someone mm -hmm. writing in a language that we cannot identify. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there's a lot of UFO activity out there. So, of course, this also kind of then leaps to is this some kind of an alien language. But it is a weird thing that we can't even identify the language that it is written in. So that's one of the mysterious things in the area. That I really do believe is a native language. Okay. I feel like it's just a really ancient one that uh, those peoples had died out probably before white people even came to the Americas. Like it's just been there for a really long time. Okay. And I think that uh, we just, we wouldn't be able to interpret it because they are long, 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 long gone. But I mm -hmm. do think that was an issue. And that the, the language is probably lost, is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's sad. Yeah. That's very sad. Really old. Okay. Really old. So next is Profile Rock. This is Profile mm -hmm. Rock. Profile Rock is, or Anawan Rock is um, believed to be a, a famous site for the Wampanoag um, people. Anawan, Anawan was a um, famous native and that his ghost can be seen sitting on the rock with his legs crossed or his arms outstretched. So this, there's this... Um, story that the natives in a in a show of peace to the white man which why don't we know that never worked out gave to them what is known as the wampum belt and the wampum belt was this really important artifact to the wampanoag and of course the white guys took it and never gave it back and so it is said that profile rock is haunted by Anawan um, until the wampum belt is returned. And this is a really eerie place. People do not like to go here because it feels like someone is watching you. Um, you know, the hair on the back of your head, neck will stand up. 
And of course, sometimes there is seen a native man sitting on the rock, mm -hmm. uh, you know, staring out. And I think maybe white people don't like this place because it brings up some guilt. <laughs> I don't, right. I don't know. It's a weird feeling. I, I do feel like he haunts that spot. Um, Partly just because, uh, you know, it resembles him and, and because I feel like uh, people that, you know, it was the people that started doing ceremony there. And like this just is a really meaningful spot for him. I don't really feel like it has anything to do with the belt being returned. That was okay. a wash a long time ago. I don't feel like that's what it has to do with at all. Uh, I feel like it has everything to do with him trying to still watch over his people and watch over his lands and what have sure. you. And because that is a spot where people expect to see him. And so he shows up, you know, working as a medium. One thing that uh, you learn over time is that people that have passed to be seen with by, you know, humans with their physical eyes is really rare and a huge thrill. And yeah. we've seen other spirits who will come back to, meaningful places or, or even the place where they died and kind of continue to be in that spot quite a bit because people are more likely to see them there. Yeah. And I think that's probably the most likely reason that he's there. It's not about revenge or anything along those lines. He's there for his people. He always yeah. has been. I love that. I love that. That's, that's an awesome way of looking at it. And, and I think you're right that people want to see him. So he shows up yeah. where they will. Yeah, but people do find it eerie, but I think we're talking about mostly white people find it eerie. Probably. Makes yeah. sense. Because, of well, course, yeah. this whole area. That, uh, his people find it to be a sacred place, you know, right. not an eerie place, but a blessed place. Yeah. And this area um, in Massachusetts was a very heavily populated native place. Yeah. At the time that white settlers arrived. So a huge amount of life was lost here and their land taken and, you know, yeah, all the ignorant crap that our ancestors did when they showed up here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next is the solitude stone. Um, or known as the suicide stone. So this rock was found in West Bridgewater and it was found next to the body of a missing person who had actually taken their own life. And I'll tell you what it says. And you can tell me if you know what this means. I've kind of deciphered it a bit, but all ye who in future days walk by Nuncatesset stream, love not him who hummed his lay Cheerful to the parting beam, but the beauty that he wooed. This was never my strong suit in college. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> they did eventually identify the uh, the poet who wrote it. Mm -hmm. um, but this rock feels, it's another place that feels very eerie mm -hmm. um this person died there it's thought that maybe some other people also died there you know how you'll get a place that's sort of popular for suicides sadly 
this seems to be that in this area. Yeah, well, it's like that uh, forest in Japan. Yeah. People like literally that. go to to kill themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of a weird one. And this last one, so this is, this is the ledge. So the ledge or the assonant ledge is reportedly a site where people see ghosts standing on the ledge and then they leap to their deaths and disappear, particularly a lady in white. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there always a lady in white in these kinds of stories? Of course. Yeah. Always a lady in white. But if there's so not there, a lady in white, there's definitely a man in a top hat. Yes. Yes. Right? Definitely. Yeah, both. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, but there have been a lot of paranormal research groups that come through and, and do ver various kinds of paranormal research. Mm -hmm. You have to remember, this is 200 square miles, and I'm not even scratching the surface on all the stories. I just wanted to give some of them. But there was a paranormal researcher there. His name was John Brightman, and he was standing out there on the ledge, and he kind of had this emotional breakdown because he heard very clearly in his ear, jump or leave. Wow. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think that's about? Interesting. It kind of seems like he was in her way. <laughs> well, that's funny. Like jump or leave, jackass. It's time for right? me to jump off this ledge again. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it. It does seem that there is a spirit of a young woman that uh, that's her, her place, you know. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Okay. So when people die, they typically, you know, there's, there's kind of a joke about you know, go to the light or I don't know if it's a joke, but it's gotten to be a kind of a cliche theme, but that's really right. what happens when people cross over uh and lots of people that have had NDEs have had this experience that so they do cross mm -hmm. through kind of a hallway of sorts and through a light. Yeah. And when you do that, you leave a lot of things here. You leave fear, guilt, pain, lower vibrating emotions typically don't really exist much on the other side mm -hmm. uh, or, or however you want to classify that. Everybody has different terms. It's no matter mm -hmm. same place, but anyway, I, occasionally when people die, they don't cross over. They don't go through that light. Sometimes it's by choice. Sometimes it is uh, by fear. Sometimes it's by just utter confusion. We've mm -hmm. seen all of those things over in the years of our practicing. But sure. um, I feel like in the case of this young woman, she did not cross over because what she did would have been considered a sin. And she's not going anywhere because she doesn't want to get in trouble. So she's mm -hmm. just kind of staying in that place. Hopefully a medium can work with her at some point and help her to move on. You know, right. she doesn't have to be there. She's also not in trouble. But right. I feel like she was raised uh, in a, you know, very puritanical home where suicide would have been considered a terrible sin where you were definitely going to hell to be tortured for what you did. Mm -hmm. And so she has not gone because she's afraid. So she just continues to hang out in that spot. And again, people see her. So this is her habit. This is what she does because she gets seen. 
I don't think she liked him being there. He was in her spot. And so she <laughs> told him to go, basically. There you go. I like that. I mean, get the hell out of the way, dude. We, I have something I have to continue to repeat into yeah. infinity. Right. Sad. Yeah. Sad. Really sad. She doesn't have to keep doing that. But anyway, she's going to stay right there because she doesn't want to go to hell. Where yeah. she would not go anyway. But Right. But you, that's her belief. The beliefs you had in this lifetime, you take with you to some degree. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. lots of truths will be revealed. But, you know, you at her point in progression, she didn't go any further. So she doesn't know right. really any more than she knew when she was in this life. So, anyway. Yeah. It's a very confusing, thick uh, place to be. For sure. For sure. And painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when you look at this place as a whole, because none of these places are really very near each other. I mean, this is 200 square miles. Yeah. What do you think is really going on in this part of Massachusetts? I mean, I know you said, you know, realms overlapping. Do you yeah. have anything more to add to that? Well, I mean, it is a twofold thing because if you are expecting paranormal activity, you're more likely to either notice it or manufacture it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's definitely both sides of that. That if you're expecting to get scared, you're more likely to get scared. You know, if you're expecting to have things happen, you may be more likely to have things happen. And yet, I feel like a lot of the accounts that have happened here have been from very uh, normal people just living normal lives and having some wild stuff go down, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do feel like it's, we have kind of an intersection of different, uh, or different layers of existence happening. I think that's why they see Bigfoot's here, because I do think that Bigfoot exists on a different dimension. I'm guessing that those enormous snakes they're seeing do too, you know? Yeah, well, and people are adamant about having seen Thunderbirds, which are huge eagles. There are even people who have said they've seen what appear to them to be pterodactyls Uh in some of, in the, in the very famous swamp that's in this area and in the woods. Well, if you can imagine the idea that there's like eight layers of paper pushed together, you know? And occasionally one of those pieces of papers tears and you can see some of the other pages. That's kind of what's happening there. Yeah. There's, there's an intersection of different worlds. And so they're seeing things there that you don't see in other places. Why haven't there been any dead Bigfoots there that we can stuff in our museums? Because it's just a fleeting glimpse. Why have there been no Thunderbirds there that we could taxidermy and show to the world same reason they don't belong here this isn't their world but they are making it through enough that you can at least see them from time to time yeah it's it's a i know that's a mind bender for people but i feel like it really helps to explain why people see things that uh our logic doesn't support you know right that we have no we can't find any evidence to actually mm-hmm. prove the existence of Rhonda and I had the same conversation in the Bigfoot show this week. Oh, sure. And that's what I said at that point about Bigfoot mm-hmm. as well, is that, you know, Bigfoot exists on a different plane and occasionally bleeds through into this one and we see him and then he's, and then we don't. And mm-hmm. that that's why there's no fossil record mm-hmm. of these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, especially with Bigfoots, because there actually have been so many sightings and so many like plaster casts of feet and of, you know, different, uh, you know, we've probably gotten closer with Bigfoot than most others, but right. I feel the same way about things like puck wedgies, fairies, elementals yes. like that. I think some beings are much better at sneaking through, uh, you know, from one realm to another than others are. Mm-hmm. We're so we're so dense. Right. Yeah. As humans, we're so dense. We, we don't go anywhere. We, no. we stay right here. Yeah. And if we get lucky. Unless we're astral traveling. But yeah, physically, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Our vibration, we could never vibrate high enough, I don't think, to Mm-mm. move through physically. No, probably not. That's probably why little kids see fairies when other people don't, you know? Right. And why animals will see yelp things around you that you clearly can't see you know yeah if you've ever been holding a baby who is clearly playing with somebody over your shoulder you know yes yes there are those among us that are light enough vibrate high enough that they can see what we cannot but that's what i think of that area is that there's just a lot of intersections there and it's creating a really high uh likelihood of having paranormal activity and now it's become what people do call a hotbed. And so they come here, they expect it, it just creates more of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now let's get to the satanic murders. So yes, this was in Fall River, Massachusetts. It's right there in the, in the uh, um, Bridgewater Triangle. This was in... Uh, the early 80s, there were what were believed to be some cult killings going on in that area of prostitutes. Oh, okay. Um, there were these rumors, and eventually there were prostitutes reporting this too, that there were um, satanic rituals being done by a satanic cult out in the woods, and that this was being done by the prostitutes and pimps in the area. And apparently Fall River was a pretty rough town and there was a lot of um, sex work that went on there and a lot of crime that went on there. And so one of the people that reported this actually was Karen Marsden, who was later found Uh, murdered very horrifically. She apparently was picked up by some police officers and told them, I want, you know, that she wanted, oh, sorry, that they wanted her to take them to these sites that she had told them about, that there were these places in the woods where these satanic rituals were going on and they wanted her to take them there. And she couldn't do it. She just was panicked and scared to death. She kept talking about her pimp and she was referring to him as though his name were Satan. And he's, she said he would kill her if he found out she'd been talking to the police. So they asked, she asked to be dropped off at a Catholic church called St. Mary's because she wanted to talk to a priest. The police dropped her off there and she was never seen again. Oh, boy. So she was missing for two months before 
Uh, part of her skull and some of her other remains were found uh, in the forest outside of town. So this set off massive panic in the area. This was during the satanic panic period or the beginning of it. I think we're still in it actually, but do you remember? <laughs> yeah, I think we Right. Do you remember, and I can't remember the name of the book, but there was this woman who wrote a book with her psychiatrist saying that she had during um, uh, hypnotism, he'd hypnotized her, mm -hmm. and that she'd had all these memories of being um, of satanic ritual abuse as a child. Do you remember this? Yes. And it eventually was completely debunked. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of where like implanted memories came up and, mm -hmm. you know, memory suggestion and that kind of stuff was really, really, it was revealed how easily that could happen to a person. Right. Well, well and that's, that created, I mean, anyone watching or listening to this broadcast can probably think back when you were a kid to a place in your area or in your town where you were told, don't go there at night. That they There's Satan worshipers over there. Don't go under the railroad bridge. Our local park in the play mm -hmm. area, no less. Mm -hmm. We were told, don't go in there at night. That There's Satan worshipers there. That became, I think, A, a boogeyman to scare kids mm -hmm. to uh, make us behave. Uh, yes. You know, but also I think people believed that. You know, mm -hmm. there's a well, yeah, but it seemed like college. all of a sudden it was happening in every community all over, all over the U.S. All over the, the U.S. Same there's a comedian on TikTok named Kevin James Thornton who talks about this, and he was talking about in his town. It was in one of the dugouts on the little league field. <laughs> there were rumors. Don't go over there at night. That's where the devil worshippers are at. And he was talking about how hilarious that is as an adult thinking. Now, why would anybody in town choose the, uh, you know, <laughs> the first base dugout to be on the li little league field to be the place where we're going to go worship Satan? Right. And, and then we'll hit a few balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but yes, I, I basically would... every town had one of these. Oh, yeah. But unfortunately, um, uh, Karen Marsden was killed in a really horrific way. They only found, you know, part of her head. They never found her body. Um, obviously, you know, some very terrible things had happened. Mm -hmm. Now, interestingly, Fall River is where Lizzie Borden's, the whole story about Lizzie Borden, who killed her father and her stepmother with the, mm -hmm. with the axe, remember? Yeah. Same town. Wow. Okay. So you would think, you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe that has something to do with it, too. I don't know. Um, so. Ultimately, what happened is that a pimp called Carl Drew. Um, who was apparently the pimp that Karen Marsden said was Satan and Robin Murphy, who was actually Karen Marsden's girlfriend. Mm -hmm but who was also known as a pimp and a prostitute in her town, um, were both convicted of Karen Marsden's murder. So 
Robin Murphy was the star witness against Drew at, at his murder trial. So she basically flipped on him mm-hmm. for a deal for a second degree murder charge. And she spun this tale, very graphic tale, about how she was forced to participate in sacrificing Karen Marsden. What was happening here is that Karen Marsden had said, I don't want anything to do with any of you creepy people anymore. I want out. This was the, this was the story at the time. And so she had to be killed in order because she knew too much about whatever these weirdos were doing. Mm-hmm. And that that was why she was killed. This is the story that was being told. Okay. At the time they talked about, you know, cutting her head off and playing soccer with it out in the woods. They talked oh about God. sexually assaulting her body after she was dead Like all this stuff, this all came from Robin Murphy. Mm -hmm. There was no actual physical evidence that linked either one of them to Karen Marsden's death. And the timeline based on witnesses and where they had both been before and after and all of that stuff um, never lined up. Mm -hmm. But you have a police force who doesn't like sex workers, doesn't really care when they get killed, doesn't want to deal with this shit anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Rob and Murphy who's coming forward with all this information. And so they just took it and ran with it and really didn't investigate Karen uh, Marston's death. And so the weird part about this now is that um, Robin Murphy has completely recanted her testimony against Carl Drew and said she made all of it up, that none of it was true, that none of the satanic shit, that none of it was true at all. And that she also said in her recanting of the story that she didn't participate in Karen Morrison's death at all even though she pled guilty to second degree murder. So Carl Drew is still in prison. And, and this is a much longer story than this, but I'm not going to tell the whole story. I just wanted to give you some of the basics. Cause I want you to be able to look at this and tell us were these guys, was this real or is this part of satanic panic? Um, here, here's the crazy part about this. Robin Murphy admits in a parole hearing that she made it all up, that she lied on the stand. And somehow what she said influenced the parole board and they released her. Wow. She was out for seven years. She then got into a relationship with another felon. Her parole officer violated her parole put her back in prison and she has been unable to get paroled since. Wow. So she, yeah. And, and the whole time Carl drew continues to sit in prison. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though she's recanted everything that was said that she said, I mean, it was basically her testimony that convicted him. Wow. He's still in prison. Because these were sex workers and this was satanic stuff. 
and he was a pimp and who the fuck cares yeah yep. well and the uh <laughs> yeah that is the information that people wanted to hear right yeah. this was confirmation bias to the t that yeah. uh, if you think that these people are bad and evil and then you hear that they were doing bad and evil things that just confirmed what you already thought you knew exactly wow exactly so what do you think i mean there there were other murders too mm-hmm. um two of them well i, I won't get into all of that Has there was actually three murders why she told those why she said all that stuff she wanted him to go to prison yeah she was attempting to become a pimp herself. Here's the craziest part about this. Robin Murphy was 17 when all this happened. She was still a minor. Yeah. Whoa. So she was trying to basically take over the streets from him mm-hmm. and become the pimp in the community. Mm-hmm. And she wanted him gone. Mm-hmm. And this was how she did it. That's basically it okay okay so because see i still think that he did kill karen i do think he did do i think it was some satanic nonsense no i don't however do i think the drugs were stout in these folks yes i do he was known to drug his girls so that they weren't really in control and he would get them addicted and then he would be the only person they could get drugs from Mm-hmm. Well, and he was a very scary and violent person and yes. horrifically uh, manipulative. And I think that uh, Karen, I, I agree as well that Karen was trying to get out. I think that's true. I feel like mm-hmm. she really didn't want this life. She was was seeking help and was trying to get out. Um, so I actually kind of feel like some of the things Robin said were true, except for that I don't know that Robin actually knew that he killed Karen. She just assumed that he did and really wanted him to pay for that. And also just really wanted to take him down. And I don't. So why though, why did she take herself down with him? Because she pled guilty to second degree murder and went to prison for like 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. I don't think she ever thought that she would be there that long. I believe that she had two dice that she rolled one she was a minor and she was hoping she would get by by being tried as you know not having the whole book thrown at her because she was a minor or her other thought was because there really was no or you know evidence against her that perhaps once she uh was put away for a minute they could appeal that and because there really was no evidence uh other than her word that she could recant later that she would get out i feel like she gambled i do um, I think that it's fair to say, though, that she was at the time also coming down from some a terrible addiction and was also not mentally sound. I feel like if we, you know, took a were able to take a hard look at her then, right now, from a psychological standpoint, I feel like I doubt that she would have even been allowed to testify because she wasn't sane at the time at all. Mm-hmm. Now then, you know. Lots of years in prison, you know, might have changed right. her. But I feel like her, she was, 
She was heavily addicted. She had had an extremely traumatic life and had some mental illness. And this seemed to make sense to her at the time. But Mm -hmm. I do believe that he did kill Carrie. I do. I think that he was that pissed that she was trying to get out from under him. I also feel like what he really thought she was going to do was move away with Robin and go just turn tricks somewhere else for a different pimp. And he just wasn't going to have it. So I think she called him Satan for good reason, you know, Mm -hmm. because of the things he did. Do I think it was actual satanic stuff? No, that just, that's just more fuel on the fire. Right. It did seem as though that narrative really worked to freak people out. Oh yeah. And to get people really worked up. Um, It still works now. Mm -hmm. People will, you know, try to cover a crime by faking some kind of ritualistic thing. And and really that has never actually been proven to be an actual thing. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that because this has been, this is a really ugly um, period in history in Fall River, Massachusetts. And You know, what it turned out to be later is that there was this man named Andy Matisse and Andy Matisse was a terrible pedophile and he molested Robin like every day for six years and many other women in the area. And one of the women that was originally attributed to this satanic cult it turned out that he killed her and he went to prison and he died in prison in 1988. Wow. But there's real questions about, you know, what was him, how many others were him and, Mm -hmm. you know, but he was pretty happy to sit back and let somebody else get blamed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you're dead on about her traumatic childhood because he, he was a family friend who would drive her to school. And so he would, Assault her um, on the way to school every morning. And things were much better at her house anyway. uh, They weren't. No, her mother was very much absent. And basically mom was just using him to uh, be responsible. So she didn't have to be. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about what people attribute to being satanic. It's usually bad people doing bad things. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it is. And it's just that, I don't know, there's that fear in Christianity mm-hmm. of, of Satan that has gotten blown way out of, even just within that that belief system, it's gotten blown way out of proportion. And mm-hmm. um, well, But it's interesting. It's almost a gaslight, right? Mm-hmm. Because it takes the responsibility to some degree, off of the wrongdoer and on to the supernatural force. Right. Rather than, you know, this guy mm-hmm. was a murderer, you know, and murdered Karen. No, we have to go into this whole narrative that uh, they were worshiping Satan and Satan made them do it. Right. No, people yeah. do bad things. People do yeah. bad things. And you know, and I am not here to attack anybody's religion. And, if, you know, you believe in Satan and hell and things. I mean, more power to you. But I think it's really interesting how we have somehow in our society used that term, you know, 
to create a lot of fear, but then also let really bad people off the hook to some degree because Satan got to them. Right. Rather than that they use their own agency to do terrible things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's an excellent point. Well, the Bridgewater Triangle is very interesting, and there yeah. are tons more stories than just this. Certainly couldn't cover it all in one episode, but go, you know, go learn about it. This is a place where there, you know, there's been uh, paranormal activity there as far back as anyone can remember being reported by indigenous people long before us white people showed up and really screwed things up for them. Yeah. Um, clear up until present day. So pretty interesting that there are spots like this that are hot spots. And I, I love your um, description that this is a place where different, what did you say? Realms or portals intersect or portals yeah. intersect. With one another. It's, it's an interesting study. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, <laughs> There's a lot of theories out there about how uh, there's just many worlds laid upon one another, you know? Yes, yes. And, and I believe and that. They all vibrate at a different frequency, and uh -huh. sometimes they intersect briefly. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. we really are in shared space. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely believe that. If we could see it all, I don't think that what we're living is looks anything like what we're actually living. So. Well, yeah. Yes, if I could agreed. say it that way. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for that. You bet. Thank you. I appreciate awesome. it. Yeah. Well, today is Wednesday. Yes. And we will be back tonight at 7 p.m. Mountain with our uh, live stream, which is mm -hmm. the case updates for the week. And that is a live stream on YouTube and Facebook. We love it if you can come live and join the chat with us. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be back on Thursday with another live stream. And that is also at 7 p.m. Mountain. It's also on Facebook and YouTube. And it is the Psychic Hour. And this is the first Thursday of the month. So it will be a our marching order show. Yes, it will. Where we do, yeah, where we do uh, a reading for every sun sign. Give you an idea of kind of what to expect and what to work on throughout the month of September. Yeah. We love the Marching Orders show. Yes, it is a lot of fun. And of course, we have lots of other great stuff coming. Uh -huh. And we do have a brand new level to our membership over at YouTube. And that is our True Crime Cold Read Party. And that will happen once <clears throat> a month. It is a live stream for members only. And you can come and each each person in the chat gets to throw a case at us with just a couple of sentences of description and we will do a cold read on it. You have to ask us a question, tell us what you want to know, mm -hmm. and we will cold read it live mm -hmm. uh, in the cold read party. So if you would like to join that, click join on the homepage of our YouTube channel and you'll have a couple of options. You'll have the uh, cold read party and also Spirit School, which is where we teach our metaphysical classes. If you are in Spirit School, you get the cold read party as a bonus. So yeah. we will be doing that for the very first time next week. So on the 14th of September, yeah. we will be doing that for the very first time. It is also at 7 p.m. Mountain. And we're going to have a blast. We're really excited. So, yeah. you know, bring your, bring us your favorite case. Yeah. Be prepared to give us a little bit of information and ask us a question. And we will cold read it for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
I love it. It's going to be great. So in order to attend, you have to join that uh, that membership beforehand. So be sure to go to YouTube, click join, and, and follow the instructions. Mm -hmm. But we really are looking forward to getting that started with you all. Yep, yeah. that's going to be all great. Right. Well, you know it. We are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for being here, everybody. Take care. Thank you.